Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's interview, just wanted to drop a little reminder to stay up to date with all the latest episodes of On The Margin. You can subscribe to the BlockWorks Macro YouTube. Just go up there, just click the little uh, subscribe button, or you can click the links at the top of this episode. It'll take you over to Apple, Spotify, whatever your preferred platform is. Just subscribe there. If you could, leave a rating and review. Really appreciate it. All right, on with the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another weekly roundup edition of On The Margin. Today, I'm joined by my, I'm going to use the word patient again, Mark, because this is the second uh, technology problem we've had. And you were patient with me this morning because I was running a little late. So I appreciate you. How you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. So uh, other than being freezing, quick, quick re- you know, reveal. So Bitcoin Orange on today and the cold storage, uh, Bitcoin cold storage uh, sock game because one, it's it's freezing in North Carolina. Two, uh, with the little uh, hack last night uh, at Ledger, which not really happy about, but is what it is. It's amazing to me, you know, the Bloomberg article making this out to be this really big deal because hundreds of thousands, like really, come on. I mean, yeah, it's bad, and I'm not saying it's not bad, but um, anyway, so. All right, let's. Um, so I've got uh, we've we've got um, a lot to cover this week, and I want to get into it. But I have uh, I have my London I have my London fact to you, and I got to get this one was sponsored or brought to you by uh, my my buddy Riley, who I've uh, talked about on the show before. Uh, but he actually he's been listening. He sent me this this uh, fact about this guy Joseph Bazlaget. I don't know if the people of London know that name, but you should because this is the guy who designed London sewers in the eighteen sixties, and. He said, well, we're only going to do this once and there's always the unforeseen. And he doubled the diameter of the pipe. So there was like whatever everyone thought was going to be needed. He just doubled it. And if he hadn't done it, it would have overflowed in the 1960s. And that is still those are still the pipes that are in use today. So if you are in London and you have clean streets, pour one out for your boy, Joseph, uh, who you didn't know you owed That's one. That's right. It's all about it's all about the pipes, baby. It's all about the pipes. Widen those pipes. And I know everyone knows this already at this point from the podcast, but the reason Mark and I uh, give this London fact is because we're going to be together in London from March 18th to the 29th for DAS London, the world's largest crypto institutional conference. Uh, 1,200 folks from KKR is a new uh, attendee, uh, Franklin Templeton, um, BlackRock, Marshall Waste, a lot of the biggest hedge funds over in Europe. And the other reason why you should uh, get your ticket and use Margin 20, which is going to get you 20% off, is because in January, prices are going up. So prices are going up from 499 pounds to 699 pounds. So do not hesitate anymore. Prices are going up in January. So make sure you get them now. Mark, let's just uh, get into it here, talking about the FOMC. So uh, this was probably, you know, I don't want to use uh, overstatement or hyperbole here, but I think it was safe to say that this was the most important FOMC of the year. I think there's always eyes on the FOMC, but I think in particular, folks were watching this one uh, very closely because we were looking to see whether or not the Fed was going to, you know, pivot dovish here or if they were going to call for more rate hikes or be a little bit more hawkish than folks were expecting. Now, the rhetoric of uh, Chairman Powell during the presser was still one of caution, I would say. But I think what what drew eyes was the dot plot. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll share my screen. Um, but the dot plot is the aggregation of what the other folks on the Federal Reserve are kind of expecting in terms of rate hikes or cuts for the coming year. And as you can see, basically what the dot plot is showing is three uh, three rate cuts uh, going into this coming year, when the with the first of those uh, happening in March. So, Mark, what did you what did you make of this? I, I, I'm I'm befuddled actually 
you know, I'm, I'm not usually at a loss for words, but I, I just, it's amazing, right? I mean, so we just did our, our back around the world. So we do these around the world webinars uh, every few weeks. And, and then at the end of the year, I kind of go back and I review all the things that, that we talked about. And, and it's amazing, right? You go back to January this year, and you know, that was supposedly going to be the most important you know, FOMC because you know, the, the Fed was going was to pivot. They were going to stop raising rates and they were going to pivot. And that's why the markets took off. They never pivoted. They, he never pivoted. Like the whole year, yeah. kept raising rates. And everybody's like, oh, well, he's going to pivot next to me. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna pause. And it's just, it's amazing when you go back and you look over the course of the year, how people just like cut them a pass and pushed valuations up back to nosebleed levels in terms of PE ratios and price to sales. Oh my God, some of the craziness. And yet he did nothing. And so to your point, now he finally says, yeah, um, we're probably, he didn't say it this way. Yeah, we're, we're going into election year and, and I kind of want to keep my job. So yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean dovish uh, for next year. And, and this is insane, right? The, the, the people, and I was probably in that camp, that, that were recession watchers at the beginning of the year, have been befuddled. Right. There's been no recession. I mean, in fact, we've had pretty spectacular growth in the first couple quarters of the, or the, the middle two quarters, second and third quarter. Fourth quarter is looking a little weakish, but but that's not come to fruition. And so the idea of cutting rates and and yes, the dot plot says March, but the the futures market says January. There is no way. They should be cutting rates. We're not even back to the middle of the range. We're at the very bottom of the normal range over the last 70 years. It's, it's nonsense. This, this, I don't know, Pavlovian interaction by, we got to keep the stock market up. We got to keep the stock market up. And, and I get it, right? The, Liabilities, the federal government liabilities for Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, et cetera, can't be funded, right? It just full stop, can't be funded. We don't have enough money. We can't collect enough money. We've got a big, you know, huge deficit. So the only chance they have is to keep people happy-ish by keeping home values inflated and 401ks up. So I think that's what this is all about. It's just manipulating the market. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning into the program. Just wanted to let you all know, again, we've talked about it on the show a couple of times already, but we are hosting the world's largest institutional conference in all of crypto. That is DAS London. That's happening March 18th through the 20th of this year. Here's the thing to understand. Prices are going up. Currently, they're 499 pounds. They're going up to 699 pounds. So if you were waiting, uh, make sure that you get your codes uh, before Christmas or New Year's so that you can get the current early bird special price. Um, and again, use code MARGIN20. That'll get you an extra 20% off. KKR is going to be there. Goldman Sachs is going to be there. BlackRock is going to be there. 0.72. Uh, Franklin Templeton, a whole bunch of the institutional folks. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting moment in time to to be there, definitely worth it. And again, make sure you get those uh, ticket prices and save 200 pounds. All right, back to the program. Cool. 
So there was an interesting quote from Janet Yellen. And uh, so she so she did an interview this week. And here, here's the quote for you. As inflation moves down, it's in a way natural that interest rates should come down somewhat because otherwise real interest rates would otherwise increase, which can tend to tighten financial conditions. And that is one of the things that Chair Powell said at during the presser is that they consider financial conditions to be uh, tight enough, which is something that he has not said in previous FOMCs throughout the year. So what do you, what do you make of that argument? That as the rate of interest falls, if the idea it's, is to target essentially it's a gobbledygook. Real it's gobbledygook. It's it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, right? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So what you're telling me is all the 120 years before the Fed, you know, the last 120 years, we needed to cut rates when interest rates were this level. That's just gobbledygook. It it's so frustrating in that the idea that the financial conditions are tight is ridiculous, right? Look around. I mean, look, uh, yeah. look around. Yeah. Look around. Yeah. Okay. Prices of stuff, they're they're not going down. They're going up. And Activity levels are high. Traffic is bad. Airplane traffic is high. Hotels. I mean, that's just, it's, look, she's the queen, literally the queen of Fed speak, right? Fed speak is where you say a lot of words and you actually don't say anything. And, and she's very good at it. And, and what's so crazy about this is I get it. They realize they made a huge mistake in 20 and 21 by doubling the money supply, mm. right? I get it. They figured out, oh yeah, that was, that was kind of a bad. Kelton was wrong. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's bad. And so for the first time in history, they're contracting the money supply. Not first time in history, first time in the last 110 years. They're contracting the money supply. But we got a long way to go. And I didn't know. I... I not a fan. Uh, I have to admit, I was surprised. I was surprised about this as well. Not what I expected. I, it, it, first of all, it didn't really seems like it didn't really seem like they were breaking much by just keeping rates where they are. Like I, I, I guess I'm sort of putting trying to put myself in Chair Powell's shoes. Say, what are the what are the benefits of you know? Okay, so let's just say you weren't going to change interest rates, but you could signal to the market where, where, what you were expecting. I don't really understand the downside of just sort of being more neutral and staying pat. I, I'm, I'm with you on that because I think you can look around and pretty clearly see, yeah, it's not, we're not starved in terms of financial conditions here. There aren't a lot of things breaking left, right, and center. I was, I was scratching my head a little bit on this one as well, but yeah. maybe I'm just missing something. I'm not. not well, I, th- I think the only thing we're missing is there is a lot of breakage in the real estate world in the banking world, regional banks that lent to these real estate projects. And we're in this extend and pretend world, right? Where the Fed has said, oh, don't worry, you can put back your bonds to us at par. Don't worry about the losses. They, they don't count. But they haven't said anything about real estate losses. And I guess the only way you can you can fix that is to not foreclose and then get back to an environment where the rates are lower 
so you could refinance the bad debt and push it out even further. And maybe that's, maybe that's what this is all about. It's, they realize that you can't, you can't function in a overly leveraged society if interest rates rise. So, well, let's take a look at what interest, how interest rates responded to this. We'll get to CPI in a second because that also came out this week. But we're looking at a chart here of 10-year yields, which, you know, they peaked back in, you know, October, or, uh, late October, early November uh, at just around 5%. And they are down to under 4%. That's a 100 basis point move in a relatively short period of time. I mean, these are these are pretty stunning moves, I would say, for the 10-year the yield. The, the two-year as well. Um, had a had a very sharp sell off, and we're actually starting to get the beginnings of something that looks more like bull steepening. You and I have been talking about bear steepening for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, so aside from whether or not you you or I understand this or think think that it was a good idea, what does this mean for for asset prices? Well, they're going to rise, right? I mean, <laughs> any any long any long duration yeah. asset is is going to rise as as interest rates fall. Your discount rate changes, and your you know people start dividing future cash flows, which are uncertain, by a lower number, and the net present value goes up. So people people buy. Just look at the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones made its all time high. The Nasdaq is creeping up there. S and P basically stock indices are are going nuts. Crypto responded very quickly. It's been a little bit more muted actually, and I think one one of the things that might be a little bit more uh, bearish liquidity is the fact that they still talked about increasing or uh, keeping on schedule with their QT. Um, and I've always thought of crypto as a leading indicator for liquidity. But Michael Howell has been just dead right on this for such a long period of time, talking about liquidity conditions rising. Uh, you know, we saw a sell-off in the two-year, sell-off in the dollar. These are all positive liquidity things. So yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of with you on that. I feel like Jay Powell basically just fired the the starting gun I don't see many, many great counter, many great counter arguments other than the, the fact the that counter argument is, is long rates usually fall in, if you look at the 30 year, not in anticipation of strength, but weakness, mm. right? So the two and the 10, fine. You know, everyone was short. I mean, and, and the peak of rates was the day that Ackman said he covered his shorts, like literally the day that he tweeted, yes, I've covered my, my bond shorts. And you know, I think Drucken Miller went on TV and said the same thing. And then now he was long the two-year. I mean, I think if you go back to the day he was on TV and said he was long the two-year, it, it's about the same same time. So, but but 30-year rates falling is not bullish, right? I mean, just think about it. If so, Low rates are not a sign of economic strength. They're a sign of economic weakness, High rates are a sign of economic strength because you can afford to have capital work the way it's supposed to work. When you have to cut rates, you, you don't cut rates because you think things are getting better, full stop, right? And so by signaling, by the Fed signaling that they think they're going to cut rates next year, they're basically telling us, well, I know you don't see it yet, but we see the boogeyman coming and you should be afraid. And, and the fact that they're talking about it in March you should probably be really afraid. I mean, think about that. that. That's that's a huge about face. And the 30-year is down almost 100 basis points. That's not good. It's just not. Now, it's good for people who want to borrow and 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 the like, and, but in, and in a leveraged economy, 
like, yeah, I guess that's good. But um, look, I, I'm I'm probably of the opinion the other way, which is the rise in rates was anomalistic uh, because demographics are destiny. Hmm. Every single day, this country gets older and less productive and more prone to hoard bonds, not spend as much, downsize. And that is all deflationary, not inflationary. And that is all pointing to much lower rates, much lower growth. Just look at Japan. And, you know, that's probably what this is, right? Is we had this policy error, which was the printing of too much money. And we had the devaluation of the currency, right? I will, I will argue not inflation. It was devaluation of the currency. And now we're having to unwind that plus go back to acknowledging that we got 82 million boomers that are going to start asking for their handouts, right? I'm two years away from getting free healthcare for life, according to my retirement plan. I get free healthcare for life from the state of North Carolina, in theory. Now, I know they don't have the money. I know it, but I'm still going to ask for it. And so is everybody else going to ask for all these benefits. And the, the, the cupboard is bare. The cupboard is bare. And so you can print it. But then you got this problem that we've seen, right? Which, again, I don't want to go down to Sinister Saturday. We haven't done that in a long time. But, but if, if that was the plan, that you're trying to increase the wealth divide, you're trying to concentrate the wealth at the top, they're doing a damn good job. I was going to ask you this question. I'm so sick of hearing about this. I'm trying to find another way to phrase it. But is the Fed going to get their soft landing? This has been the topic that has launched a bajillion podcasts over the course of the last year. I feel like it's important to say, you know, when you get things right, when you get things wrong. I was also in in your camp at the beginning of the year. I, you know, I actually have, there's a another podcast I do called Bell Curve. We did predictions. I got a half right. Uh, I said, I think this is the bottom for crypto, but I think there's more to go in stocks. Totally wrong. Just should have been more optimistic and bullish. Yeah. I've sort of been watching what the Fed's been doing this year, scratching my head, not necessarily. Look, we had no landing. I mean, I, I think it's a ridiculous phrase, right? No landing. Well, yeah, we had a touch and go. Uh, you know, to use aeronautical, you know, uh, airplane, yeah, aeronautical terms. Um, so, look, we can debate endlessly. First and second quarter 2022, was that a recession? I will vehemently state forever, it was. Now you can say, well, but but employment never came down. I'm like, yeah, because you juice the numbers because of the way you don't count people over 65, whatever. Fine. You don't want to call it a recession. I don't really care. Yeah. Touch and go. Right. Since that time, we don't have recession. We have economic expansion. Surprisingly hot. Now, I, I can make the case that the third and fourth quarter of 22, totally manipulated by release of the SPR for election purposes. Doesn't matter. That's how they count the numbers. That's the one thing is we can complain about how they count the numbers, but those are the numbers. So to say that, that there's a recession, well, but they didn't call a recession. So stock market went down 25%. That's a recession, right? People, 650,000 people lost their jobs in the tech space. That's a recession. But, but you don't want to call it a recession? I don't care. Now we're in economic expansion for sure, right? 5% quarter? Come on. I, no, no matter how you look at it and say, well, but this doesn't really count because it's government spending and it's deficit. 
It's the number. And this quarter, it's heading towards one. So it's heading for the hard deck. By the way, I watched Maverick again last weekend. Actually, to be fair, I actually watched it twice because it's so good. And the scene where they're we're doing the Cobra and they're they're going for the hard deck. I mean, whew. I mean, the, the camera work is just so good. It's incredible. Um, but we're going for the hard deck. And I look, I think first quarter, what what the what the dot plot is telling me is what we talked, we actually talked about this last week. First quarter, GDP is gonna be negative. It's not gonna be like a blowout negative, but it's probably gonna be negative. And that's the seasonal adjustment that they never seem to get right. So it's always the weakest quarter. But that's what the dot plot is saying. And so are we gonna get a soft landing? Well, we had a soft landing, we actually had a no landing at touch and go. Now we're on ascent, but now maybe we're losing altitude. Maybe we're like, oh, geez, we, we should have stopped and got fuel. Maybe we should have got fuel. So that's kind of where I think we are. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening to On The Margin. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a very special offer that we have coming out of BlockWorks Research. Now, many of you will probably be familiar with our platform, but BlockWorks Research is the most blue chip spot to get research, data, governance, models, and a whole lot more about the leading DeFi protocols in the space. I've leaned on our analysts time and time again to explain complicated concepts going on in DeFi to me like I'm five years old. They can do the same for you. If you invest in DeFi or are just interested in it, it is an absolute no-brainer. As a listener of On The Margin, and to say thank you all for listening to the show, you can use Margin 10 for a 10% discount, and that gives you access to everything, which would be weekly in-depth reports, live data, all of that good stuff. So again, that's code MARGIN10 for a 10% discount. Link is in the show notes. Sign up now. Thank you later. Yeah. I mean, do we have to acknowledge here that, I mean, look, people yell and scream at the Federal Reserve and Chair Powell all the time. Look, if if they end up pulling this off, and I was going to say actually the one very non-scientific thing that at least was in my head is the markets do the thing that lose the most amount of people, the most amount of money. And this would just be very typical of markets to as soon as we declare victory, everyone says it's a no landing, soft landing, whatever for things to turn. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, you always got to be a little paranoid and that's in the back of my head. But if the the Fed ends up pulling this off, I feel like you kind of have to give it to them. They navigated an extremely difficult time. With oh, no, I think you have to give, downfall. I think you have to give Powell lots of credit, right? Yeah. And, and you have to go all the way back to his initial tenure, right? He came in and he said, y'all, this is crazy. We don't need zero rates. He tried to hike in 16 when he was appointed. And what happened? Trump thumped him like over and over. What are you doing, you idiot, you idiot? And what did he do? He gave in. So he went back to zero. And okay, Jay, I said Jerome, he was hired as Jerome, buttoned up, hawk, you know, I'm the sheriff in town. And then he turned into Jay, the dove. And then I joke, he turned into Jay, the put the letter J, the pusher, like with the hoodie, and he's handing out stimmy checks in 2020. And I think I my my own personal opinion is that's not him. He did what he was told as part of the whole scam or whatever. He did what he was told. And then he was like, nope, nope, this is not gonna be my legacy. I'm gonna do the right thing. And the right thing is to get us back to normal. And everybody says it's going to break. And it, well, no, remember, no one borrows at Fed funds except the banks. And the bank's balance sheets are good. 
The bank balance sheets are good. Now we need the banks to make money. So we need the NIMS to expand. So I'm going to do that. And he did it. And we didn't have a recession, arguably. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. But even if we did, it was only like a 2001 recession, right? 2001 was called a recession. We had two negative quarters, first and third. They weren't even consecutive. The total yearly growth was 1%, including 9-11. And that was a recession. Okay, this time we had two negative quarters. Total year growth was 0.9, so right around 1%. And they didn't call the recession. I don't really care. So, but he got through it. And now he's fully in charge. We have a, a well-functioning economy. You, know, you look around. I mean, other than housing and other than the greatest banking, the third greatest banking failure in history and the worst year for bank failures in history. So other than that, right? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're an employee of Silicon Valley Bank, you're not very happy with J-Pal. If you are an employee of Signature Bank, you're not very happy with j Powell. But maybe it's not j Powell we should be worried about. Maybe. And you said that you know, crypto hasn't responded. Well, it's because crypto got whacked down because of Ms. Warren. Lizzie, as in Borden, you know, she took a hatchet and she whacked up this crazy legislation. I mean, like crazy. Like you and I would be criminals, literally deemed criminals under, if her bill were to pass, you and I and just about everybody else listening on this would be criminals. Yeah. So I mean, to add a little- crazy talk. Yeah, this is, this is, so Mark, I think what you're referring to here is the Digital Asset Anti-Money Laundering Act. So yeah. this would extend, these are some, these are sort of the high level talking points. So it would extend the Bank Secrecy Act, the BSA responsibilities, uh, including KYC to digital asset wallet providers, miners, validators, and other network participants that may act to validate, secure, facilitate digital asset transactions. It would address a major gap with respect to, quote, unhosted wallets, which allow individuals to bypass AML and sanctions checks. Uh, direct FinCEN to issue guidance to financial institutions on mitigating risks of handling, using, or transacting with digital assets that have been anonymized. Strengthen enforcement of BSA compliance, et cetera, et cetera. Now, he, here... There, there's a whole long list of this, and if you're following along via video, you can take a look at some of the the major bullet points. I, I think what's I think what's critical to understand here is the the construction of crypto financial markets are extremely different from traditional financial markets, and that's why these things don't make any sense. So, in the whole again, point. in this is the whole right. So I, I think that is the whole point. I because I don't think you can understand how these how these markets actually work, and and still say something like this. So the again, the the entire traditional uh, financial apparatus, uh, for better or worse, has basically been built around centralized intermediaries, right? I think Lynn Alden has done a phenomenal job of calling out sort of this, uh, the the history of money and how it's changed and how grow, uh, you know, first of all, global commerce has expanded to such a degree. And you've had a technological expansion as well, to the point where basically we solved the problem of having to move around money move money around the globe very quickly with centralization and abstraction. The entire, and so what you have is these intermediaries and it makes a lot of sense for our regulators to basically just control money on and off ramps and how that, that money gets transferred around. Okay, that's a good system that makes sense. I mean, depending on how you how you perceive it. Uh, crypto is very different. It's It actually says almost the exact opposite. And for, for folks who don't 
you know, we don't need to get into the, the plumbing on this show, but what's important to understand is crypto asks, how could we design a financial system with no centralized intermediaries? And instead of, again, with it, like using the example of a bank, so Mark, you and I could transact with one another, not ever having met because you and I both trust Bank of America. The entire crypto system is designed from an incentive standpoint to say, how can you and I transact not knowing each other, having never met each other with no one in the center to, to intermediate? And Look, I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand why she's putting this gobbledygook out there, right? I, I absolutely understand it. She because she's bought and paid for by the financial institutions. You look at her donor list. Remember, it's hard to be a U.S. senator. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It costs $100 million to get elected, which most people don't have, and she certainly didn't have. She does now, but before she started, her net worth was very low, and now it's very high. Funny how that works around Washington. Like my favorite is AOC had a negative net worth when she was elected and now she's worth like 20 million bucks. But so she's got a long way to go to catch Ms. Warren at 367, but she didn't have a hundred million dollars to spend. So you have to be owned by somebody and different senators are owned by different industries because they finance their, their campaigns. And she happens, if you look at her donor list, which includes Sam Bankman Freed and FTX, but um, if you look at that, they uh, have to be on the side of those people. And look, she is in 100% agreement with Jamie Dimon and with the presidents of all the other banks. It's not your money and my money. It's their money. That's the difference between a permission system and a permissionless system. They believe, and, and, and in many ways they are correct, it's their money. If you look at it, if you look at a bank balance sheet, it doesn't say Mark's money and Mike's money. It's Bank of America's money or JP Morgan's money. It, it's literally their money. And yes, we have an IOU and that IOU is good most of the time. And the reason is we collectively, societies, said, you know what? I, I feel at risk with all my money in my house because the bad guys can come take it from me. And so they tried, you know, wall safes. Okay. And it turns out that didn't work. And people come in your house and take your safe or, you know, hold you hostage and have you open the safe. And so we figured out this way to centralize it. And this goes all the way back to, you know, the 1200s with the Medicis and, and the Portuguese monks, which we've talked about. And it's because we... Okay, trust that they will take care of our assets and that we can use them when we want. But unfortunately, there's been a series of incremental incursions on our rights as owners of those assets. And I've told the story all the time. Like when I wanted to buy my first digital assets at Coinbase, they wouldn't transfer my money. They made me wait to get my money. It's like, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. And, and look, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I, at least I didn't live in Cyprus where they literally took three quarters of people's money as a bail-in because they made a bunch of bad loans to Russian oligarchs. So or actually, actually it wasn't that. It was that the Russian oligarch assets got seized by the U.S. And anyway. It is one of these things where the incentives are 
broken and I it's hard to see through because you're exactly right. And if you can look at the number of banks in the US and uh, you can see it just goes down. It's just a one-way arrow down. There's consolidation in financial services. Now, people who work in financial services or people who work in financial services today will tell you that's a good thing. They'll say this sure. is exactly how it should be. And and I actually have a lot of sympathy for that point of view because look, the these ba- if you look at the model of a of a bank in, in a reserve banking sort of system, it's inherently unstable, right? It runs the whole the whole business model is predicated on leverage. So I understand that you know when when a bank fails, you know it's it's sort of an untenable user experience for you to lose your money. And the easiest way to fix that is to have other big banks step in. I get it, but the the result is that uh, the the financing availability for individual people as opposed to corporations in the U.S. is very skewed. And I, I think you'll look back today, there's a very, like, okay, the financing vehicles that you have uh, for a business, there are basically two. And one of them is venture capital. So if you're some hotshot SaaS company coming out of Silicon Valley, congratulations, good for you. Uh, or if you're, an, if you're Amazon, good for you, because you've got banks and debt capital markets as Amazon, or you've got VCs that want you to grow at 100x year over year. There is, there's a really large swath of businesses in the U.S. just by employment, like what you call mom and pop shops, that, that do not fit into that bucket. And there is a mismatch in terms of businesses that employ people and yep. financing vehicles. And, and look, if you, you know, I can hear the counter argument. Hey, Mike, those aren't good businesses to finance. I get it. I get it. But it's also an opportunity there. You know, I can see a future where you look back and say, this is a massive opportunity to, to, f- to provide financing for those yeah. businesses. But at the end of the day... Who should decide who is good and who is bad, right? That, that's what this comes down to, right? This comes down to a government wanting to control the ability to deem enemies bad and not and, – and, and to choke them off from assets, you know, I usually push back on you on the on on some of this stuff. Here's where I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I saw this this bill from Elizabeth Warren and Jamie Jamie Dimon testifying that he would make crypto illegal. That's not a coincidence. I I so I, I really do believe. I, here's here's if I had unilateral charge of the United States, I would make this one change where, okay, politicians, you can raise money from you know, whoever you want or within whatever restrictions we currently have, but you just have to disclose it. Like you have to disclose it in an extremely public way. You know, I've seen it's like race cars, the race cars that have like yeah. the- Yeah, all the logos. By Wonder yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. They'd have to wear a yeah. shirt with all the, oh my God, that's so awesome. They should just have to disclose. So when Liz well, Warren gets up there- Wear the logos. Wear the logos yeah. on their suit jacket. Wear the logos, 100%. Your top five donors, you should just have to- Wear it in a very visual way. We this I is by the way that. something super common that we do with, you know, and cigarettes. You know, you, you, when you buy a pack of cigarettes, you have to look at like a blackened, disgusting, decomposing lung, and that's yeah. to incentivize you to say, hey, maybe think for a little bit before you start smoking the cigarette. Yeah, you know, the testimony of Elizabeth Warren saying we should make crypto illegal would look a lot less compelling if you saw J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs right under it. So, amen. I just feel like amen. just that, man. I wouldn't well, even actually, prevent- now with with digital technology, we could probably do that. We could probably overlay that on the video. Yeah. Right? Somebody, somebody's going to oh invent. I love that. That if first of all, 
community notes on Twitter is one of the, uh, you know, without commenting on Elon Musk or all his recent shenanigans, the Twitter, the community notes on Twitter, I love. And now with AI, if you could expand that when it's political coverage for if you could overlay their, their, their sponsors onto that, that would be amazing. Have you been to a, a, uh, a basketball game or a football game now where on the big screen, it's not that they're just putting, you know, like the mustache on people. They're like changing people's whole face or putting total outfits on individuals in the crowd. Yeah. The, the data that you talk about for who are the biggest donors to each political candidate is publicly available. You could have someone scrape that and use real-time overlay technology. So that when they're testifying on television, oh my God. someone should do this. Throw up the the logos on them. Oh my God, that would be so awesome. That would be incredible. I hope someone does that. I hope some enterprising person does that. And I was actually listening to Macro Voices, this uh, macro podcast, and you know, Eric's doing the intro. You know, yada yada, 25, 30 seconds in, and then it stops and says, that was an AI. It's like, oh my God. I, you know, you and I have talked about on the show the prediction, which I feel like is sort of playing out. There's an initial hype cycle. It's going to look like it's dying, and then it's going to come back. The AI thing is extremely real. I, we're going to have to deal with the, the implications of AI pretty soon. In, in one sense, it's great. Um, you can actually watch. There's a pretty crazy clip going on, on around on Twitter right now about uh it's 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 almost 30 minutes of completely ai generated news anchors and honestly if i didn't know that going in i would never have been able to tell that they weren't real yeah. people the one i i i watched the same thing the one is the one woman's hand is totally deformed i mean and that and that's what the one thing that the ai does like gives people six fingers or like the the, the one the other one they see is that the eyeballs are different shapes I mean, different sizes. So it's not, it's not perfect, but yeah, it, it was spooky. The one that I really like. there's this OTC BTC, I think is his ticker symbol, uh, Twitter handle. And he used AI to dub Spanish, but it changed his mouth to speaking Spanish. So his facial, it's, it's his normal movement, but his mouth and it's seamless great Spanish, great accent. And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. That, that's a really cool use case because if, you know, you can talk into your phone and then hold it up to somebody and say, you know, but if you could in real time be on a Zoom and I could be speaking English and you would be hearing me speak Spanish, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So in closing, in terms of videos that got displayed this week, did you get a chance to see the BlackRock video or the Blackstone video rather that they put out? I can't, it can't be real. <laughs> I, it, it can't, can't be, be real, real Michael. I know. It cannot I, be. I, I, I couldn't make it past the first 30 seconds. I, 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 I couldn't either. I felt, I think it's the most cringe I've ever felt for. Oh, no, it was what I mean. Cringe is like, oh, that's cute. I'm oh, it's weird. This made me feel icky, like, like, ooh, happening. (laughs) And I grew up in the 70s, right? We dressed like that. Okay. But, but this was, it was, I can't even, even like, what's the point of that? I mean, literally, what is the point of that? 
other than to get us talking about it. But I, I have no respect for that organization now. I mean, none. That is, that is, that will change my opinion forever. Of of, I actually had pretty decent respect. I, you know, they tried to recruit me. I, you know, I, I didn't take the job. Maybe it was a mistake. Whatever. But I, I, I never. I mean, no way, no way. I watched that. I also, I, I still, even having watched, I still don't really believe that that that's a real. That's a I real. Can't video. believe it. I can't believe well, it. We'll play it. It guys, we'll we'll actually uh we'll we'll play it here in closing. And if you can if you can make it through the entire video, just oh, let God. Mark and I know. Uh, tweet at us because I I couldn't do it honestly. I only finished half of it. Uh, I'm talking about. It. I had to shut it off. I had to turn it off. It's uh they're celebrating one trillion in in asset management. They've got their executives kind of doing like a dance, sing song. It's almost like they looked at TikTok. Someone on the marketing team at Blackstone is like banging the table like guys. We got to make it into the 21st century. People love TikTok. And they're like, okay, what can we do? No, 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 no. With this monstrosity Look, of a video. TikTok. <laughs> like, I, I would actually watch TikTok over this. And I don't yeah. want to see that. I, I, I mean, this is so horrible on every level. It's condescending. It's, it's belligerent. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's so weird. Please take away, to take, take. Just make it go. Take it away. down. I'm- ban it. Ban it. Ban it. Elon, please ban it. Ban it, please. I mean, I'm still in Twitter jail, right? Because I won't I won't pony up and buy the blue check mark. I'm still in Twitter jail. I maybe I just have to give in. I just I just don't want to do it. But yeah. it's just I just on principle don't want to do it. But I'm still in Twitter jail. Put them in Twitter jail. Please, please put them in Twitter jail. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we can, we can end it there. Uh, Mark, as always, best hour of my week, uh, my friend. Awesome. Have a great weekend right. and uh, talk soon. You too.